facts, candid conversations, and some levity to lighten your day. This is The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. A great Tuesday to you. So glad that you are with me today on The Kale Clark Show. 888-914-9149 is a toll-free line to call. Believe me, you are going to want to call in. I'm sure that you will have questions for my guest today, who I'll introduce to you in just a moment. But once again, that phone number to call, 888-914-9149. You can also find me on the X app, the app formerly known as Twitter, at Kale Clark, C-A-L-E, Clark with an E. And by the way, if you have questions, you can also try to tag me on Twitter. Uh, Patrick Alog is working working the phones along with Miranda today. We'll be, we'll be monitoring Twitter and uh, if you have questions for my guest, you can also tag me on Twitter with your question, or you can go to the show account as well, at Kale Clark Show on Twitter, now known as, of course, the X app. So let's get right to it. want to jump in. My guest today is somebody who I've wanted to talk to for a very, very long time, for about a year or so. In fact, he gave presentations to all of us at Relevant Radio last couple of years, Father Rocky puts together these days of formation for us. It's really important for us to be formed. We can't give what we don't have. Great speakers talking about a great variety of subjects. And my guest today is one of those speakers. He's actually an emergency room doctor at Resurrection Hospital in Chicago. Interestingly enough, he was actually born at that hospital as well. So things have come full circle for him. Dr. Brian Donahue is my guest Dr. Donahue, thank you so much for joining me on the program today. So glad to have you with me. How are you? I'm well. Thanks, Clark. I, um, I'm very excited to be here. This should be fun. Hey, well, hey, that, I'll tell you what. It's so good to be with you. And I think Aaron Rodgers probably could have used your help last night, uh, Monday Night Football, but I'm not sure even you could have patched him up in time. Uh, the re- reason why I wanted to have you on today, of course, um, you probably see a lot of torn Achilles in the ER, but... Uh, you gave us a, a couple of talks last year and this year at Relevant Radio about the importance of health. And it's, it's interesting because our Lord wishes us, of course, his peace, Dr. Brian, and, and it's shalom. And, and this is kind of a, it's something that people don't understand. It's kind of a holistic thing. It's, it's total wellness. It's peace of body, mind, and soul. And I know that for you, it's really, really important. You make a, a good analogy between what our health like life is like and what our spiritual life is is like, right? Oh, absolutely. So um, I think our health is very similar to our life of faith. I mean, one, if we neglect it, we're certainly going to face the consequences. I mean, mm. it's very similar. We've probably heard that adage many times that life is like working out, you know? We all know that when we work out, we feel better. Mm-hmm. But... Life gets in the way and someone says, why aren't you working out? And you, well, I'm busy, you know. And sometimes yeah. these things can happen in our life of faith as well. Yeah, there's no question about that. And at first I thought you were going to say life is like a box of chocolates. But yeah, it's a, it's a lot like working <laughs> out. Uh, maybe we want to eat the box of chocolates instead of working out. That, that's for sure. If you neglect it, you'll pay the price. The same is true in our faith life. Eventually it's going to catch up with you. And also the other thing that you that you said to us is that to look to look at a specific uh, athletic event, a marathon? You, you said that health, like our journey of faith, is also like a marathon in a certain sense. And even the Catechism talks about this, doesn't it? 
Yeah, it does. So the catechism at 2288 says, life and physical health are precious gifts entrusted to us by God. I think it's important to remember that they're gifts to us and we must take reasonable care of them, taking into account the needs of others and the common good. So what that means is our life, our talents, our health are all gifts given to us. And we're stewards of these gifts. We can't just merely bury them in the sand, but we have to recognize that these gifts are not something we can change in an hour, in a day, and often not even in a week. I mean, mm. it's over the course of our life, which requires dedication and, and constant um, feedback looking on how we're doing. Yeah, that, that is so true. My guest is Dr. Brian Donahue, emergency room physician from Resurrection Hospital in Chicago. Yeah, our, our life, our, our talents, the gifts that we have, our, our health, they're all kind of things that God gives to us to be stewards of them. And it's interesting because my, my personal physician, um, he, he looks at things from a spiritual perspective as well, and he gives all of his new patients a questionnaire to fill out. I thought this was really intriguing. When I first went to see him, I had to fill out a questionnaire, not just about my, my health history and all that stuff, but also there was a bunch of spiritual questions on the survey as well, and, and even about mental health as well, because he, he really looks at it in, in a very holistic way. And I, and I think... That's the way we should be approaching this also. And it's all kind of interconnected. Well, we're going to talk about this a little bit later, too, especially with when it, when it comes to stress. That's one of the things that you taught us that I thought was really, really compelling. My guest is Dr. Brian Donahue. If you have a question for the good doctor, the doctor is in, and you can call in 888 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And Dr. Donahue, another thing that you... Uh, kind of stress to us was that our health decisions aren't just about us. They affect a lot of other people in our lives too. Very true. I think this is an important fact that we need to grapple with. And it's taking a macro look at our lives. Um, and we have to realize we don't live in a vacuum. Our decisions all have consequences. Hmm. And these consequences don't just affect us. They affect not only us, but they affect everyone around us, whether it be at home, at work, in the public place, or so forth. Um, and to take it a step further, these decisions not only affect, for example, our kids, but possibly their kids and their kids. Hmm. Um, and this is true with all the other people that we're in connection with. You know, um, The small amount of good that we can do for ourselves can really have very profound and lasting effects on the others that are around us. Mm. Yeah, very. It's, it's like a stone and the, the proverbial stone and the you know, thrown into the pond with ripple effects. And, and even right. just, I think the, the power of example. If you if you see uh, your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, a family member working on their health, it, it does kind of inspire you a, a little bit. Hopefully, to take care of yourself as well, or at least it should. And. I kind of want to lead with this, actually. This is this is a good question because how how do you actually help others to make, you know, there's a famous commercial that says, you know, how do you make one day, you know, I'm going to do this one day. I'm going to take care of my health one day. I'm going to start exercising one day. I'm going to start eating right one day. How do you make one day become day one? How, how do you get people started? Because 90% of people are told, and you tell people too, this too, you tell patients this as well, no doubt, you need to do X, you need to drop some weight, you need to start eating better. And they say, yeah, yeah, doc, I know, I know, I know, I'll do it, I'll do it. But then they go home and they never do it. So how do you make one day become day one? Well, I think to take a step back, and this is what we talked about briefly um, 
during the session that I had with everyone is you need to have a goal. Mm. But more than just a goal, you need to have somewhat of a plan. Because as I say, you know, a goal without a plan is nothing more than a dream. Mm. And I think it starts with our mental state of mind, um, where we want to go with this. Because anyone could have one day where they stay away from chocolate or they, you know, pass on a piece of pizza. The reality is, as we just spoke earlier, this is going to have to be a commitment. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And um, I think by recognizing this is probably one of the easiest ways or best ways to put a good foot forward in making changes in our lives. Because the reality is some of these changes for some people, depending on our situations, they actually have to be radical changes and we have mm. to be ready for it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what the sort of the main topics that you, you talked about uh, with us last year, and I remember I, I saw my, my colleagues, my coworkers, when I was in the, the Chicago headquarters, the worldwide headquarters of Relevant Radio, I could see people actually carrying out your directives. You talked about the importance of exercise, even even simple things like parking a little bit further away in the parking lot, do, doing some more walking. Well, we'll talk about that, but you started off with diet, the importance of diet. And there are so many different types of diets out there, and I don't even know what most of these are all about, the paleo diet, the keto diet. I, truthfully, I don't even understand the Atkins diet, you know, intermittent fasting, all, all that sort of stuff. Where do, you, where, where do you stand on all these, I don't know, I want to call them fads. I don't know if they're fads, but where do you stand on those? And how do you get started on eating right? Yeah, you know, it can be paralyzing, quite honestly. It seems like if you want to find something on the internet that is to your advantage, if you want to say, I don't want to eat broccoli, you probably can <laughs> find a study that says broccoli is not good for you. Yeah. Um, but that being said, what I, I like to focus on is really the simple, basic things. So I usually start off when you're talking about if there was one thing in your diet that you could choose to control, what would it be? Mm. I think without question, it's got to start out with sugar. And they found mm. that if you can eliminate sugar drinks specifically, mm. you're already on a good road um, and that good foot is is being placed appropriately forward. And and what that means is it's really going to be with water most of the time. Um, I know some people will supplement maybe a soda for a diet soda. I That's think one I thing <laughs> that we have to get, yeah, one thing we have to get better at is probably replacing it with water. Um, and we have to understand one thing about this is it's not a supplementation with water. It's an actual replacement with water. We need to get rid of starting by the sugary drinks. So now I have to ask you this specific question because I, I am a heavy sure. user of all the, all the zero, zero calorie, zero sugar colas. I mean, I, sure. I, I mean, part of me really wants the caffeine. I guess I could just drink black coffee too, but, but what are there yeah. some other dangers other than the, okay, they, they don't have sugars. They don't have extra calories that you're going to add, but do you see any kind of danger or health downside to some of the other stuff that's in there? Um, this is a topic that anything you want to find online, Kale, yeah. you're going to find it. It's absolutely true. But they've done many studies that have found that people that start on some of these drinks actually gain weight. Maybe not yeah. because of the actual drink itself, but then they start supplementing with other things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I, I I'm, I'm a simplistic person. I just feel the answer is 
get used to drinking a lot more water. Yeah, and I think that's true. They probably think, well, you know, hey, I'm not drinking the sugary colas anymore, so I can kind of go nuts in other areas. That There may be a bit of that as well. And, and so you talked about you got to try to avoid sugar, especially excess sugars, added sugars, but also carbs as well in, at some level because you said that carbs are really long-acting sugars. Can you elaborate on that a bit? Yeah, so a couple things that we need to know about sugar um, in and of itself. Um, sugar leads to um, inflammation. And essentially, sugar is hmm. broken down into fatty acids, and fatty acids then turn into adipose tissue. So um, the difference between sugar and carbs, when we, when we talk about specifically, sugar is a short-acting um, product. Carbs are long-acting sugars, basically. So when you have the bread or the pasta or the rice or the potato, which are kind of your main four carbs, mm-hmm. um, they are long-acting sugars. So when we eat those, it's kind of putting our body in a, in a situation where you're going to get over a long period kind of a steady state of, of um, sugar given to the system as opposed to just these spikes by eating something that's very sugary. Hmm. That's, that's intriguing. And another thing that's a, that, you, that really struck me, another image from your presentation that really struck me was, was portion control. And the size of one's plate is kind of an interesting uh, image because obviously we're kind of taught as kids, eat what's on your plate, um, better finish it because there are people around the world that are starving that would love to have this food. And I, and I remember, Dr. Donahue, the golfer Jack Nicholas. this guy used to be, he, he kind of struggled with his weight earlier in his career. They actually called him Fat Jack. And if you look at old pictures of him, you can kind of mm-hmm. see that he was a little bit on the plump side, maybe a lot. And he, he kind of got thin. He kind of he kind of got in shape. And, and he was asked once, what are you doing differently? And he said, well, I stopped eating when I'm not hungry anymore. I, talk to me about the, the idea of portion control, the size of your plate. And our eyes are being very much bigger than our stomach in a lot of cases. Yeah, no, that's for sure. So it it sounds very common sense. You just need to start eating less. And we all know that. Why don't we do it? And the reason is, it's hard. It's really hard. Huh. We like the feeling of feeling totally satiated and full. Um, but what is important is being able to pull back. So how do we do that? One, we have to be mindful of these things. Because if you're just going to go up to the um, buffet and, and take as much as you want and go back and, and see if you feel full or not, you've not made a decision. You have to make hmm. the decision before you put the food on the plate. So it's important that you decide how much you're going to put and take what is appropriate for that time and then move on. Because we all know that we're not starving for the most part in this Mm -hmm. country because we like to eat. Um, And if it gets to the point where you feel like I keep taking too much, then you have to get a little bit radical and then you decrease the size of the plate itself. Because sometimes the vision um, of how much food is on your plate, taking Mm -hmm. up the plate can actually tell us how much we're eating or make it feel like how much we're eating. It sure does. Um, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, doctor. There was one other thing on this topic and um, one of the uh, types of losing weight, one of the diets um, strategies is something called intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very interesting because intermittent fasting is made actually to give your body much more break from this constant sugar load. So, for example, we we do our normal routine and we eat how we eat. And if you look, there is a constant level of sugar that's in our blood system that continually is being fed to our body. 
Hmm. And what the intermittent fasting does is said, okay, hold on. We need to give our body a break. And most of these programs start with um, usually starting with eight hours of not eating. But when you can get aggressive enough, you can get up to 10 hours. And some people do more than that. And what you'll find is it gives the body a break from these sugar loads. So then it has to start breaking down fat. Um, and where it's actually easy, if some people try this, is, is the morning. Um, you can get very used to not eating so much in the morning. I know we've always grown up telling breakfast is the most important yeah. meal of the day. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, they have also had many um, ads and articles that we grew up on that says milk bo- does the body good. Milk, milk, milk. But milk's got a lot of sugar in it. And we've learned that um, most animals... <laughs> Except for uh, the human body or the the human mammal, um, wean off of milk at a very, very young age. Meaning, do we really need to have the milk? What we need is the calcium in it, Mm -hmm. and it's supplemented with vitamin D. That's important. Um, But it's just another thing that we've been taught over many years that we have to stop and think about, is that really the right practice? Well, this is such a fascinating conversation. You're listening to the K.O. Clark Show on Relevant Radio. My guest is Dr. Brian Donahue, talking about how to get healthy, health of mind, body, and soul. It's all important. We're going to come back with more with The Good Doctor and your questions. You can call in 888-914-9149. You'll be right back with Dr. Donahue and me on Relevant Radio. It's K.O. Clark Show. This is The Kale Clark Show, giving you the confidence you need to bring the faith into everyday life. We don't want you to worry, that's for sure, especially about your health. And worrying and stress can be really harmful to, to your health. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit in just a few minutes with my guest, Dr. Brian Donahue. You're listening to The Kale Clark Show, and you can call in right now if you have a question for the good doctor, 888 914 I do stress question. If you've got an honest-to-goodness question that you want to ask him about health, uh, he'll be happy to answer it. Um, not so much stories, but questions that we're looking for. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Doctor Donahue, when you came to speak to us at Relevant Radio, you talked to us about the importance of diet. You also talked to us about exercise, how body in motion needs to stay in motion. Talk about that for a little bit. Sure. It's. I mean, that statement in and of, in and of itself says a lot. You know, sound body, sound mind. A body in motion stays in motion. It's a simple concept. As a lot of these things are, Kale, they're, they're simple ideas, but it's our ability to adhere to it. So what are we talking about? A body in motion stays in motion. Well, there's a saying in medicine, um, and this usually is as people get in their older years, um, that a deconditioned person becomes more deconditioned. Hmm. And hmm. what we find is the more that you don't move, the more things start to creep up on us. Just showing how simple movement for some people has profound effects on people. What we talk about when we're talking about uh, body motion stays in motion um, and staying in good exercise is some very simple kind of things um, to help keep not only our mind sharp 
and our muscles moving, but also our heart in good shape. So for, here's an example, American Heart Association recommendations. They have recommendations for adults um, and their recommendations are 150 minutes per week of okay. some kind of mm -hmm. moderate intensity activity. So if you're going to break this down, you could say five days a week, I should be doing 30 minutes of some kind of moderate intensity. This could be as simple as a brisk walk. Okay. Mm -hmm. And these are simple things that I think we can find, you know, whether we're walking the dog, whether mm -hmm. we're taking a walk with our spouse or our kids, a great time to have a little one-on-one -on -one time with our kids, you know, praying the rosary. There's a lot of ways that we can schedule these things that might not cut into some of our daily um, activities as much as we think. These are also simple things like you mentioned earlier, park a little bit farther in the, um, parking lot. I know we're so conditioned to get that, yeah. as, as we call it, you know, princess parking spot, yeah. you know, two <laughs> spots away from the door. But it's okay if we do a little bit of walking um, here or there. Take the stairs. I mean, there's a lot Take of simple kind of, you know, opportunities throughout the day to maybe keep the body moving. Because anyone who works in any kind of a, a situation where you're at a desk job, yeah. I mean, sitting at a desk for eight hours, granted, you get up to go to the bathroom or maybe for lunch, it, it's really detrimental to some degree on the body. You know, it, it requires movement. Yeah, no question. I mean, my Apple Watch is always reminding me every hour, you got to stand, you got to stand, you got to take a little walk. And standing desks have been uh, pretty popular in recent years. So, yeah, just having this low-impact exercise like walking is something that we all can do. And like you said, we can kind of double up. Maybe pray the rosary as we walk or, or, or walk the dog. And, and believe me, I have two dogs, and sometimes I don't want to get up and walk the dog, but I have to do it because she needs the exercise, and so do I. Let's face it. Let's face it. And when it comes to this exercise, one of the goals, too, for us, uh, Dr. Donahue, is to lose weight. And, and I know that one thing that you said to us that really stuck out in my mind, and you could probably, I could probably tweet this out. You could tweet this out. It's very tweetable. It's a great line. The scale does not lie. Why is that the case? <laughs> well, you know, we're people that easily can justify our own actions. And the reality is, if you want to lose weight, if you stick to some very simple principles, um, I think it will help guide us. And one of those principles is weight is determined by how much, you know, basically carbs you bring in mm -hmm. and energy you bring into your body and how much are you burning. And there's a lot of ways that we can measure, you know, how are our pants fitting, how do we feel, and those are all good things. Um, but I think it's important to still use some measurable um, way to determine are we making progress or not, and the weight, the scale is that way. Now, it's not perfect, I, I understand, because, for example, someone who works out quite a bit and has a lot more muscle um, percentage, that muscle is going to weigh more than fat. So as they're gaining weight because they're putting on muscle that might not correspond to hmm, us, quote point. unquote, losing fat. That being said, for I think most of us, it's a, a very accurate way to be able to, you know, quickly measure, are we making any progress or not in some of our goals? And that makes sense. And what, what are some of the, if you are packing a little bit too much weight, what are some of the risks that you run? What are some of the conditions that you might be susceptible to if you're overweight? Um, okay, so overweight is linked with a lot of things, um, everything from heart disease to stroke to cancer to diabetes. 
Um, it influences your blood pressure. It influences sugar level. Um, it influences inflammation. It puts you know, pressure on our joints. These are all things that have been studied and are known. So an increase in weight de definitely puts us at much higher risk, specifically for heart disease and building up um, kind of plaques throughout our circulatory mm -hmm. system. Um, so they're important things, but they're not always things that we can see happening in, you know, underneath the skin, in the background. Um, weight is something that is a good monitor to show where we are with these because the, the um, American Heart Association is you can easily find, you know, based on what they call BMI, mm -hmm. uh, the body, ba mass uh, body mass index, where you should be for your height in general. And you have to use these somewhat loosely, sure. but it puts them in different kind of categories. And I think people respond a little bit when they are honest with themselves and they say, where am I? Is my BMI too high or is it too, is it right where it should be or so forth? Um, yeah. And let me ask you, just to follow up on the, on the weight question, a lot of people say, if you think you need to lose 20 pounds, you probably need to lose another 20 pounds on top of that. Any, any truth to that sort of rule of thumb? Uh, I think everyone could probably lose a little bit of weight, you know, at some point. Someone said that to me once, and I'm a fairly thin guy just by nature, by my genes mm -hmm. more than yep. anything. Mm -hmm. um, so lucky. And I, he said, I, you. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> he said, you know, anyone could lose about five, can afford to lose five pounds. Um, we have to think, what's the body made for? Is our body made for a certain um, type of weight? And that would be the goal. And everyone's a little bit different. Um, but... I think there's a couple things that are important to know in terms of medical aspects of weight. Let's take, for example, diabetes. There's many people that have what are called type 2 diabetes. Mm -hmm. This is diabetes that has been acquired over time, mostly because of weight in, mixed in with some genetics. And what they found is that a simple losing of 15 to sometimes 20 pounds can be enough to be able to change someone from being on diabetic medication to being completely off medication, showing that weight really does have some direct positive benefits. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, there's so much talk about being pre-diabetic. I guess we're all pre-diabetic in a certain sense. We don't take care of ourselves for sure. But yeah, I really like what you said there, Dr. Brian Donahue. The scale does not lie. You're listening to The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888 Nine one four nine, and here's another thing that a lot of people don't really think about when it comes to their health. But you made a big deal about this in talking to us at Relevant Radio. Our sleep. What what is the what is the number one fault for people when it comes to not getting enough sleep? This is great. Um, sleep is something that plagues people all the time. However, I think it's important to note, as you're leading in with this question, that the number one cause of sleep deprivation is voluntary choices, okay? Hmm. That means these are things that we can change, adjust, modify. And what are some of these things? Very simple. I think a lot of these we could name off, you know, on our hand, yeah. you know, in seconds. The internet, the television, conversations that we continue, be it, be it either on phone or by text that's at night. Something that's a stimulus that's happening to us that we can't let go of. Um, and those are voluntary choices that we can change. Yeah, it, it's so true. And, and, and one of the things that you said, there's no such thing as just checking your phone for one minute or even three <laughs> minutes because 
I, I remember Cal Newport talking about this. He, he has a TED Talk called Quit Social Media, and, and he said that when social media sites were, were getting going, um, the founders of Facebook and Twitter, now the X app, they, they sort of interviewed uh, executives from Las Vegas casinos. How can we make this thing more addictive? And it's very much like when you're, when you're scrolling on, on your screen, it's very much like pulling a lever in a slot machine. You get this sort of hit of dopamine. Do, talk That's about exactly the dopamine right. effect and, and, and what this can do uh, to us and how we, it's really hard to get away from this. Yeah, so we call all these things stimuli. And this stimuli, what it does to our body is um, it causes our body to release, as you said, dopamine, um, a neurohormone. And it's released in our brains. And it's actually something that we can get accustomed to so that when we reach a certain level, we actually start craving that mm. dopamine and we need more. And it brings us up to another level of need of this dopamine. Let me give you an example. And this is a, a true example of myself. I'll work a late shift mm -hmm. and I'll get home. It's 1.30, sometimes 2 in the morning. And I know there is nothing better than for me to head upstairs and go right to bed. But <laughs> yeah. you want to you wind down a little bit, right? Sure. So I'm standing in my kitchen. There's one single light on. Maybe grab a little thing to eat. And you stare at the phone. The phone's there. And, you, and I know, don't open it up, right? Don't go there. Because what happens, all of us have experienced this to one degree or another, a simple check the weather, check the score, maybe get a quick headline in, always turns to 20, 30, 40 minutes or yeah, more so of true. just flipping through things. And you can actually feel your body saying, I am so tired but your mind still is craving a little more. That's dopamine. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's really hard to stop it. And, 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 and in terms of linking spirituality, our faith with our, our health, I think one of the things that we can do, and you, and you mentioned this as well, it could be a real mortification for us to, to just go to bed on time and turn off that phone. Maybe not even take your device into your bedroom. What, what do you think about that? Oh, absolutely. It, there's a lot of things that could be said on that. Um, there's many opportunities for mortification, but one of them for sure um, can be that idea of I'm going to get to bed on time. And yes, we all have distractions and definitely all of us that have kids, sometimes that can be very difficult, especially as these kids grow into their teenage years. Um, but nothing can be better for us than to turn these things off and to be able to get in bed at a reasonable time, because we all know that a night that went on much longer than it should absolutely affects us the next day. I think what's also important about this is, you know, on that subject of, of having kids, mm -hmm. is we have to realize that kids can't make these decisions yet. They just mm. don't have the wisdom um, and the experience to be able to pull away as much as we do, and we are having a hard time with it. So yeah, that's true. Um, for example, in our family, um, this isn't anything new or um, completely unique. This is something that a lot of our friends do as well, is that whole idea, there's no electronics in the room. Be it phone, computer, so forth. They all come into our room um, before the kids go to bed to make sure that there's no extra um, possibility or temptation for our kids to, you know, pop on a phone. As we all know, everyone's heard stories of kids that are up real late and they're tired the next day and so forth. It happens to kids. It happens to adults. 
Mm, interesting. Let's take a call right now. Let's go to the phones. Let's go to Sam in Missouri. Sam, what's your question for Dr. Brian Donahue? Oh, hello, Dr. Dr. Donahue and Mr. Clark. Um, appreciate you taking my call. Hi, Sam. The question I sure. have. Hi. Uh, the question I have is that my doc, uh, my wife went to the doctor for her physical, and my wife is nearing fifty. And the doctor said to her, uh, "At your age, you have zero metabolism." And I, I just wanted to scream. And huh. I was thinking, because my wife was thinking, you know, she wants to lose some weight. And when you say something like zero metabolism to somebody, that just like is a total downer. Uh, not to mention that I think it kind of uh, is a defeatist attitude. What's your take? Hmm, interesting. What do you think, doctor? <laughs> well, no one can have no no one can have zero metabolism, Sam. So I think your initial inclination to believe that that was not maybe the best statement is true. Um, do we decrease our metabolism? as we get older? I think we all know the answer to that is yes, to certain degrees, you know, depending on the type of shape we're in um, and depending on um, the shape of our heart and so forth. It's harder. It's definitely harder as we get older to lose weight. And that's why, as we talk about this as a marathon, not a sprint, we have to come up with ways that are realistic, you know? And if it's for someone that maybe is out of shape and they're trying to start, we have to start at something that we can do but it has to be something very measurable and something that we can do consistently, um, whether it's taking long walks um, or yep. doing simple or bike riding, you know, stationary bike rides, something that's easy on the joints or so forth. It's a lot of different ways to start. But the idea that you have zero metabolism is a little bit um, <laughs> far-fetched. You're listening to The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. My guest is Dr. Brian Donahue, ER physician from Resurrection Hospital. A very Catholic name. We want to resurrect our health. That's what we're talking about. And <laughs> one, one thing I'd love to bring down to zero, I don't know about my metabolism, but I'd love to bring my stress levels down to zero. Talk to us about the impact of stress in the modern world on our physical health. Okay. Great subject. Everyone wants to know, how do I decrease stress? I'll give you a, an example of this how I see it every day in the emergency department. I, I don't think there's a shift that goes by where when I explain maybe a disease process to someone um, that someone invariably won't ask me, doc, is it stress? <laughs> and stress, we have to realize that stress is not something that we can measure. We can, we can kind of calculate the um, consequences of, of stress over time, but you can't calculate how much stress is there. That being said, everyone knows that they're under stress and they feel like it's a lot of stress. Um, so what does stress do to the body? Um, so in general, without going into any big dissertations mm -hmm. or so forth, I think we have to realize that when we're stressed, we're tight. We're actually holding mm -hmm. muscles tight, be mm -hmm. it our stomach muscles and our other muscles throughout our body as well. And what this does is turn what we have a normal artery um, with normal diameter into, let's just say, a thickened artery. Yeah. And this thickened artery is called a stressed artery. And in the medical terms, we call this vasoconstriction. So we get this constriction. Mm. And what it does is gives, it gives some problems both on how the heart pumps into this now constricted system and gives back pressure to the heart, which is not good, as well as the receiving organs are now receiving blood from this stress system, Oof. which means they're not getting adequate 
blood flow. And over time, obviously one day of this is not something that you could measure any problems. Mm -hmm. Everything's over a long period of time. That's how we grow into, let's say, hypertension because yeah. the heart now is pumping against a very stressed um, and, and less pliable system than it was before. And over time, that can cause some problems. Yeah, Dr. Donahue, you're, you're talking to a guy, I mean, I'm dialed into this because uh, I'm a guy who struggles with anxiety, highly stressed at times. What, what are some steps that we can take to, to dial it back a little bit and try to prevent this sort of thing from happening? Yeah, so we, when I gave the talk, um, I listed six very practical steps to prevent or let's say decrease our stress levels. It's hard mm -hmm. to completely prevent all stress um, because situations come up. And, and quite frankly, some of the stress that we have is actually beneficial for us. It's necessary for us to move on to the next thing. Um, I'm going to list a couple of these and I'll let you sure. pick as you want um, what you think is most interesting. So these are the six that I listed um, in the presentation that I had. These six things are mm -hmm. one, make your bed. <laughs> Two, make a list. Three, less is more. Four, we call it get out of here. Five <laughs> is follow trains, planes, and automobiles. And then number six, when you're most busy, most stressed, help someone else. Uh, okay, and through well, these, we could yeah, pick whatever you want to go into. Yeah, exactly. And and I know speaking about getting out of here, I know you got to get out in a few minutes. But so let so let's no let's problem. do something really quickly here. Let let's sure. Let's talk about uh, I've got a little bit of time. I'm okay. Oh, okay, that's good. That's good. So let, let's talk about making your bed then. Let's talk about that. Where where does this come from and how in the world can this help us to be less stressed? Yeah, this is this is absolutely fantastic. So, this is directly from a tip from Admiral or Admiral William H. McRaven. He's a retired Navy SEAL. He's the author of a very famous book called Make Your Bed, Little Things That Can Change Your Life. If you've never read this book, I highly encourage people to go online and pull up one of his videos. He did a commencement speech from, I believe, 2014. Mm -hmm. And he kind of goes a little bit more quickly. It's a 19-minute video. So if you have 19 minutes to spare, it's worth it. And the first one of these is Make Your Bed. I thought it was fantastic. He says, the wisdom of this act will be proven to you many, many times over in your life. And what does it do for you? A couple things. One, when you wake up and you make your bed, you will have accomplished the first task of the day. And by doing that, you're ready to maybe take on another task and another mm. task. Number two, it gives you a sense, a small sense of pride. And I know, as we said, Pride's not a great word, right? Pride right. is one of the, the worst of all the evils, right? So self-fulfillment. It gives you a small sense of self-fulfillment. It reinforces the fact to you that little things in life matter. Because the truth is, Kale, if we can't do the little things right, we're never going to be able to do the big things right. Mm. And then lastly, yeah. as he puts it, if you have an absolute miserable day, at least... You can come home <laughs> to a bed that's made, a bed that was made by you to give you optimism that tomorrow will be better. That's make your bed. Great uh, start. It's a great start, and it gives you some momentum throughout the day as well. Hopefully, that's that's really, really important. 
Dr. Don here, can you can you hang with me for a couple minutes after the break? We've got to take a quick I break. Can. But okay, fantastic. We'll be right back with Dr. Brian Donahue. You are listening to the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888 914 9149 This is the Kale Clark Show, giving you the confidence you need to bring the faith into everyday life. Welcome back to the program. Having a great conversation with Dr. Brian Donahue. ER physician from Resurrection Hospital in Chicago. It's like Chicago Med come to life right here on the Kale Clark Show. And you can call in if you have a question for the good doctor. He is in for the next few minutes, 888-914-9149. We'll try to get you on. We were talking about how to prevent stress building up in our lives and having adverse effects on us physically. You talked about the importance of, of all things, making your bed. It sounds simple. It's a little thing, but it's a big thing. I want to ask you about some of the other things that you mentioned as well, Dr. Donahue, but first let's take a call here. This is a really interesting question. Let's go to Dee Dee on line two. Welcome back, Dee Dee in Phoenix. What's your question for the good uh, doctor? Hello. Hello. I know oh, I haven't it's been called a while. in a while. It's been a while, so it's I good know. to hear from you. Glad to have you okay, back, Dee Dee. Uh, do- oh, oh, thank you. My call is for Dr. Donahue. Uh, Dr. Donahue, what is your opinion on women over 45, and I am, I'm using uh, weight training or strength training. By that, I mean using dumbbells and barbells for health. Okay, good question. Um, yeah, no, it's a, it's a great question. First of all, for some reason, you, Didi, you make it sound like 45 is old. I'm going to say <laughs> right now that 45 is still very young. Um, Amen. But I, I think a couple things. It depends on how, let's just take in general, someone at that age, a female, is in and out of shape before you start. Um, because what I don't want someone to do is to dive into a bunch of dumbbells and start lifting a lot and, and not really working their way into what might be healthier. So that depends on what's the person's weight, what is their joints um, like at that mm. point. Is it something that they're going to end up feeling in the next day or two that they wish they hadn't done it? So I think the important part is to know that you should be gradually going into it. Number two is depending on your level of expertise or knowledge of working out, um, a lot of people would benefit from a personal uh, trainer. Um, And sometimes it's difficult. They might be a little bit expensive and it's hard to do that. Um, But I think important is slowly working our way in. We do want to get some kind of cardiac workout. So the American Heart Association talks about, as we, we mentioned earlier, getting some kind of moderate intensity. And they do talk about muscle training. Mm. It is important because it can support the way that we move and sit and so forth. But I think it should be stir- first focused on making sure that we're getting some form of cardiac activity. And that's kind of that moderate intensity, brisk walk or a light bike ride or so forth. I'm not sure mm. if that, does that help you? Wait, no, it's, all, it's a combination of cardio and some weight training with a, per, perhaps a personal trainer. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's, that's ideal. You know, obviously people have different kind of um, conditions and that can start for some people when they were um, in the 40s, be it high blood pressure, diabetes, or possibly some heart disease if they have it within the family. So you would always want to make sure that you loop in your primary physician to make sure that any kind of intense um, workout that you're going to start is a good idea for you. I love that. Well, thanks for that call, Dee Dee. Yeah, always check with your doctor. Every commercial, every medical commercial says that. Check with your doctor, and that's always, always good advice. So we are checking. That's what we're doing right now on this hour of the Kale Clark Show. We are talking to, checking with the good doctor, Dr. Brian 
Donahue. And getting back to this, this whole idea of the steps we can take to prevent stress building up in our lives, you talked about making and the importance of, of doing something as simple as making your bed. What, what about the other thing you mentioned, making a list, maybe checking it twice? Yeah. So making a list, I think, is very important. Again, Kale, this falls under another common sense kind of things, but we're not necessarily good about it. And what they have shown is that both clutter in someone's physical space as mm. well as clutter in their life has absolutely been found to decrease, you know, concentration, difficulty to focus, which all leads to increased stress. So what does it mean by making a list? One, um, this idea of a list is writing down your tasks. These are the things that you need to do. What's important is a system, almost more than mm -hmm. anything, that you can adhere to. And everyone has a different system, and that's okay. You can have uh, a cell phone that you like to write your, your quick notes down, your tasks that way. Some people carry around note cards yeah. and put it in their mm -hmm. pocket, and they do it that way. Some people have a journal. Some pe There's different ways to do it. It's got to be something that works and that you can get to quickly. Because as we know, as the, da the day's moving on quickly, things come to mind that we want to write down on our list. Number two, that, two um, is that you have to go to the list and you have to prioritize this. Hmm. Um, there's different ways to do this. As I was saying before, in the emergency department, the way that we do it is obviously anyone that's really, really sick um, and emergent, we do those things first. And the mm -hmm. same thing yeah. on our list, things that have to be done, things that are included in important and urgent. Um, then next after that, what we do in the emergency department is we take care of things that we can take care of relatively quickly that has a great outlook or a, a great output to it. And these are things like a person's ready to be discharged. So we go and we mm. discharge that person. We're actually making a difference. And those are the kind of things that when you're prior to a list are, are these things that I'm going to accomplish and I can accomplish with somewhat, you know, decent effort, or are these kind of wishy-washy kind of pie-in-the-sky goals, you know, like mm -hmm. I want to redo my lawn and yeah. redo all the, you know, all the bushes outside and so forth that yeah. we know is going to take a long time. So we have to be honest with those things. And then the last part of this is after we prioritize a list, you've got to make it permanent by putting it in some kind of a calendar. Yeah. You know, these are due dates yeah. or meetings or bills when they're due, when we're going to pray, um, when we're going to work out. So all these things um, can't be pie in the sky. As we said before, they're all goals, but without some specific plan, they just become dreams and we don't accomplish them. Yeah, it's so true, uh, Dr. Donahue. This whole concept of what gets calendared gets done. If it's not in the calendar, it's highly unlikely it's ever going to get accomplished. And and I like what you said, too, about making time for prayer. We've got to bring it back to the spiritual because it does affect the physical and vice versa in many ways, too. I mean, um, I feel like sometimes... It, People who have lived not in a very wise way physically, sometimes kind of, they wear it on their bodies, like the body tells the score, as one book says, and also sometimes our souls as well kind of come through. But but you, you talk about, and I love that, that you said this because I get like this too. There, there's a million thoughts running through my head. I'm trying to trying to pray, and, and it's okay to write things down that, that, come, that you have to get done, even when you're doing your prayer, right? And just taking a minute yeah, to do that. There was a, a great spiritual director that I had that gave this very simple idea, suggestion. I thought it was fantastic. And it's this idea that even when we pray, 
when we have those ideas that you stick to, like, oh, I can't forget to whatever it is, and there's a million different things, is to take a quick second, have that list available, write mm-hmm. it simply down, then we're safe, we're good to go. Yeah. We're not gonna forget it and we can move on in our prayer. I think those things are important um, for us to know it's okay to take a quick second, write something down and then move on because it really frees us. It really does, it absolutely does free us. Let's try to take a quick call here. Let's go to Nick in Chicago. Really quickly, Nick, what's your question for Dr. Donahue? Hi, gentlemen, and thank you. Uh, Doctor, um, I have uh, daily uh, heart palpitations, and a uh, cardiologist diagnosed it as a PACS, a pre- premature atrial contractions. And I was wondering sure. if you might have any um, solutions to that. <laughs> it's a great topic. I know quite a bit about it. I deal with some of this myself at times. Um, so, um, First of all, I think the important thing to know is that the preatrial contractions are not dangerous in and of themselves. Um, I think the second thing is, I don't think anyone's going to easily be able to tell you this is exactly why you're getting them. Can they be from stress? Can they be from different, um, let's just for lack of better words, call them disease processes of the body, mild ones? Yes, it can be at times. But I think the person in these kind of cases, what I found that's going to best help you is actually going to be yourself. And what that is, is really do the simple stuff well, making sure you're getting your sleep, making sure Mm. you're getting some kind of exercise and really adhering to a diet because all these different kind of foods for different people mean a lot of things, inflammation, reflux. They've made a lot of um, advances for um, something called AFib. AFib is basically the, almost the next step of someone that gets a lot of these PACs. And they found connections between people with AFib that are otherwise healthy and reflex, um, acid reflex from their stomach. So it just shows there's a lot of things that we can get. Um, we, we can find a lot of information out yeah. about by just being adherent to these um, simple choices that we make. Yeah, and, and Dr. Donahue, we are unfortunately out of time today, but I, I want to thank you so much for taking the time and just reminding us about these simple choices that we can make to make a huge difference in our health and our lives so we can serve God and others much, much better. Dr. Brian Donahue, it was great to run you down. Thank you for taking the time today. Kale, thanks for having me. It was a blast. You got it. We'll do it again sometime soon. Jim Shaper produced Patrick Alog and Miranda Sinceros took your calls. Timmery's up next, followed by the Family Rosary Across America. I'll be back with The Faith Explained, 1230 Central tomorrow. Don't miss it. Take it away, Michaela. Thank you for listening to my daddy.